0: Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Winnett. And today we're going to be talking with three local nonprofits, the Exchange Club of Naperville, Kids Matter, and the University of Illinois Extension Program. Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Warnett. And joining me now from the Exchange Club of Naperville is immediate past president, Juan Amato. Welcome to the show, Ron.
1: Hi, Jane. Thank you for having me.
0: Always a pleasure to have our friends from Exchange Club with us. And I'm going to start out because so many people in town know you for Ribfest. That's what they associate the Exchange Club with. But you're so much more than Ribfest. So I'd love you to take a minute and tell the viewers about the Exchange Club, kind of its history and its purpose.
1: Sure. Well, the Exchange Club is actually a national organization that was founded in 1917, and it focuses on programs of service in three areas community service, youth programs, and Americanism. And then in addition to that, it focuses on its national project, which is the prevention of child abuse. Our Exchange Club of Naperville was chartered in 1987, and we've been working on those programs of service here at the local level through our various committees, as well as supporting organizations that prevent child abuse and domestic violence and strengthen families Um, We've also, in 1992, uh, started an organization called Project Help, and I know you've spoken with Project Help in the past with Peggy McGuire. Um, They're an organization that the Exchange Club still provides support to, and they attempt to prevent child abuse by working with at-risk families, by doing parent mentoring uh, and parent workshops, and we're very proud of the work that Project Help does. They're an affiliate of the Exchange Club. And they're also now uh, affiliated with the YWCA of Metropolitan Chicago. So all the great things that the Exchange Club is able to do really uh, have have been made possible through RibFest. Uh, It's been our our main fundraising event since 1987. We've held it in Naperville for 32 years. Um, As you know, we were planning to hold it in Romeoville this year for the first time. Um, But through the RibFest event, we've been very fortunate that we've had many financially successful Ripfests, and we've been able to donate more than $18 million back to the community over the years in order to support our programs of service in those organizations.
0: That's a really—I mean—it's an impressive number, uh, you know, 18 million. And I know you're—you've been very focused uh, on the the mission and the prevention of child abuse. So that's really provided a focus to your service club's giving. Um, talk a little bit more, if you would want, about those programs of service and give us some of those, maybe some examples of what members of the Exchange Club and the club in general has done in each of those three areas.
1: Sure, well, through our committees, um, the the Exchange Club works on different community service-oriented projects, uh, youth programs, and Americanism-related projects. The Community Service Committee does a number of different projects through the year. One of the bigger projects that they work on is the Adopt-A-Family program that they do around the holidays where club members are able to act as secret shoppers and go out and, and shop for families uh, in need in order to make sure that they have a uh, good, good holiday season. And last year we were able to uh, touch about a hundred adults and children through that adaptive family program. Uh, the community service committee also gives awards, uh, the book of golden deeds award and the care award to volunteers and other people in the nonprofit community uh, in our, in our area in Naperville. Um, through our youth programs, We generally focus on uh, giving out scholarships as well as some youth awards. Uh, As far as our scholarships, we gave out uh, five scholarships back in June to different area high school students, including our, uh, our youth of the year, who then has an opportunity to go on and potentially get more scholarship money through the National Exchange Club. And as far as the Americanism Committee, it's a very, very good committee. It's something that really got me interested in the club initially. Um, And and we do things such as supporting veterans. uh, But most importantly, in in my view, we've been part of the 9-11 memorial ceremony that the city puts on every year. Um, That's something that Marty Walker, who's a member of our club, has been involved with organizing. We also give out awards to the police officer and firefighter of the year each year. And in fact, uh, just last month, we gave our police officer of the year award to the entire police department of the city of Naperville in view of everything that's happened in the past months with the pandemic and, and so on. Um, so those are you know, just some examples of things that the different committees are doing out in the community.
0: That involves a lot of people. I mean, that's a lot of, uh, even though, you know, very, very clearly focused on the different areas of service, it's a wide range of things that you're supporting and, and certainly giving. And I know, uh, for a lot of those people who not only receive the awards, not people don't go into nonprofits to get awards, but it certainly is really, uh, it means a lot when another group, uh, recognizes the work that's being done in the community. And certainly for those, uh, young people that receive scholarships, that's, you know, that can be the difference between uh, getting to move on in their journey or maybe not getting to move on in that journey. So uh, we thank you for that. And I know we sort of touched uh, to begin with on RibFest, because again, we we know that and you talked about uh, $18 million raised. I'm sure it was a very difficult decision this year to make the decision uh, to cancel. Uh, So talk us through a little bit about how that process went went for you.
1: Sure. Yeah, it was a tough decision. And we We kind of held off on making the decision as as long as we could. I think initially back in March, we were hoping that maybe somehow miraculously things would get better, but uh, there did come a point when just for health reasons, it was pretty obvious that we were not gonna be able to hold a large outdoor gathering like that. And then also it became difficult for us to promote the event and try to sell tickets with people's mindset just being sheltered in place and in fact, we, we did have a fourth headlining act that we didn't announce for country night, which I think would have been a very popular headlining act, but we were not, never able to announce that entertainer and, and sell tickets just because of the environment with the pandemic. So ultimately we were forced to make the decision to postpone the event until 2021. And it was not an easy decision. Again, we had put a lot of energy, our steering committee, our Ribfest chair and our executive director into planning a new event down in Romeoville. And I guess the only good news is we're we're working hard already on 2021, and I think people will be pretty excited with some of the entertainment that we're already working on lining up for next year's 2021 Ripfest.
0: Well, and I know, you know, just because we've had the pleasure of working with you year after year, that there's an incredible amount of planning that goes into uh, effect with Ribfest. And, you know, I I always think, you know, I think you all take 24 hours of breathing space to reflect on the uh, past success, and then you're right back at it for the next year. And uh, so I I am sure that as much as, you know, you you made the right decision from a safety perspective, it it must have been very, very difficult for all the people who had put in so much time and effort to try to make this uh, a successful one in 2020
1: it was definitely
0: yeah um give me give us a little bit of an idea because again i'm going back to that 18 million because it's a big number but um in a typical year how does Ribfest and how does the exchange club go about distributing those funds how, what, what's kind of the process that you use to decide how that is all distributed
1: Well, that's a a great question. So in a typical year when we've we've had an event and it's been profitable, uh, the club has an allocations committee that typically starts to meet in the fall and review applications from the various nonprofit agencies that are requesting funding. And generally, there's about 50 agencies that we review and and give some funding to at some level. And we review the applications. Uh, You know, there's certain criteria that we look for and ultimately decide, you know, who's, who's going to get what. And then traditionally, what we've done, we didn't do it this past spring, but we've typically held the allocations luncheon uh, in the spring at Mason sabika I know NCTV has been there and, and cover that event. But that's just a great event because we invite all the different nonprofit agencies to that allocations luncheon. And re- a representative from each of the agencies is able to come up to the microphone and talk a little bit just briefly about his or her agency. And that's always a very emotional and and very rewarding day for for the club and for the, the nonprofit agencies.
0: I think that must, I think that's true. I certainly sat at a few tables over the years and um, I'm a pretty easy crier and I'm usually trying to you know, look a little bit like I, I'm not crying while they go because there are some incredible stories about how you're impacting agencies uh, across the community. So obviously you weren't able to hold the 2020 event. Uh, the needs for those nonprofits are still out there, Ron. So how, how can people get engaged with the exchange club to continue to donate and support?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked. We're uh, we are accepting donations, and we've set up uh, a, a donate button on our on our website for Ribfest, which is ribfest.net. And we, you know, we're hoping to get donations from different individuals. Um, when we gave ticket refunds to people who purchased concert tickets for our, you know, Speedwagon and Sticks, we've tried to encourage people to make a a donation if they can to try to help support the club's mission. So anyone can go on the the website and make a donation to the club. Um, We've also uh, been very lucky in that we have corporate sponsors who, even though we weren't able to hold the event this year, they've made donations as well to the club in order to try to help support the club and its mission. And we've been very fortunate in that respect. Um, We've gotten some relatively sizable donations from some of our corporate sponsors. And then lastly, you know, we are looking at potentially doing some other fundraising events if we can, you know, during 2020.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think we have really seen, one of the things we've seen during this pandemic is uh, people, individuals and businesses where they can have really stepped up. And uh, I think it's a trying time for many uh, and not everybody is able to, but those that can have really gone above and beyond. So uh, that's good to hear and we encourage people to continue to do that. As we start to wrap up, Juan, if somebody is interested in joining the exchange club, h- how do they go about that? What's the process? Us.
1: Well, they can come to a meeting. Um, we typically meet in person, although the last, you know, three or four months, obviously, we've had to go to a different format. We've been holding Zoom meetings, but our meetings are, are on the first Friday of the month at lunchtime and on the third Thursday of the month in the evening. And anybody who's interested in the club is welcome to join a meeting. And hopefully before too long, we'll be able to meet in person again at uh, Colonial Cafe in Naperville, Um, but there is information on the club's website for people who are interested in learning more about the club or learning about how to become a member. And we encourage new members, you know, we've had, uh, just in the years that I've been involved with the club, we've had some longtime members move on, and we've also had some newer members that really have taken an interest in the club and, and stepped up into leadership roles. So we're always looking for new members.
0: I think that's wonderful. And I think, you know, it's it's a great service organization and an opportunity to develop some leadership skills and, and just get to know the community better, right? Exactly yeah well listen juan i want to thank you for stopping in and chatting with us you know we uh we feel your pain in terms of rib fest not being able to take place in 2020 we'll look forward to seeing it uh back out there in the summertime uh as a tradition in 2021 and uh we encourage everybody to you know as always go check out the exchange club's website uh for more information and uh Thank you and we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after a few short messages. Thank you, Jane. Thank you, Ron.
2: For more than 150 years, you've believed in BUCY. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, You're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home.
3: Talk shows are like the family and friends you turn to in good times and bad. That familiar face of your favorite host Welcoming you to a new episode somehow just makes the day brighter. Welcome to the Moms Network. NCTV 17 produces a wide variety of TV talk shows, all encouraging you to join the conversation and feel connected to your community. If you value that connection, please make a donation.
0: Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Rennett, And joining me now from Kids Matter are Kamala Martinez and Sherilyn Hebel. We're super excited to have you both here with us. So welcome. Thank you. We're excited to be here as well. Excellent. So I'm gonna start right out with you, Kamala. What is Kids Matter? Kids Matter is a prevention-based
4: organization and we focus on the overall health and development of kids from their social, emotional and academic well-being. Um, our mission is simply to build resilient kids who say no to destructive choices and yes to endless possibilities. Um, we were founded, believe it or not, in the late 1990s when Edward Hospital was seeing an increase in the ER with youth and students coming in and being diagnosed with stress and anxiety. So Mary Ann Boasian and Mary Ann Bobowski, who sits on our advisory board still today, Um, founded the Naperville Youth Development Coalition. We went under that name until 2005, and since 2005, we have been going and doing business as Kids Matter.
0: So, Kim, I mean, that's a long time you've been around uh, and doing business and under different names, but kind of with the same purpose. But, you know, Sherilyn, you have been doing a lot of programming over those years. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how many students have been involved in your programming over the course of the last year.
3: Yeah, thanks, Jane. So over the last year, um, between all of our different programs and events, Kids Matter has more than 235,000 people come come through and around our programs. And I think it's also important to recognize that Kids Matter believes in giving back to the community as well. So with more than 600, sorry, 460 volunteers, we've provided in the past year more than 4,300 volunteer hours back to the community while serving our 45,000 students. Yeah, that's some impressive numbers, right? I mean, so it's not just kids that
0: are getting to get the benefit of what you do, but it's the community getting the benefit of what the
3: kids are doing as well. Absolutely. Both of those things, because we believe that kids should see giving back and like the exchange club, you know, give service, believe in, believe in service.
0: Yeah. So, give me. Can you give me an idea of some of those programs? Like, because I know you you have a lot. There's a lot of different things that you do. So, just give me kind of an idea of the different programs that Kids Matter sponsors.
3: Absolutely. So, Kids Matter is involved in. Um, we put on a job fair every year. Well, we encourage students to come and learn from more than fifty vendors of different career opportunities um, at our job fair. We do a volunteer for volunteer fair. So that, again, introduces kids who might not know if they have a heart for volunteerism or might have a heart for it, but not exactly know how to go about finding volunteer opportunities. So we welcome nonprofits uh, in a room all together to uh, expose kids to different volunteer opportunities. We also do a... um, We also do programs such as our Career Pathways Program, our Digital Leader Program. Um, So we've got different opportunities for kids to get involved in different levels. Yeah, I think what's exciting
0: about your organization is that you've evolved in that programming over the years. I mean, the Job Fair and the Volunteer Fair have been around for a a while, but some of these other programs that you mentioned are new. So Kimala, let me ask you, what's a program that you're particularly proud of right now?
4: Um, well, we're, we're proud of all of our programs, Jane, like Sherrilyn said, we have a lot of programs, but two new programs that we've introduced in the past two years have been the Digital Leader Summit, where we roughly have 400 students from 203 and 204 from fourth grade through eighth grade going through that two-day program. And it's really teaching them about being a good digital citizen, as well as teaching them leadership capabilities, and also teaching them the good things about the internet, but also maybe some of the things that aren't so good. About the internet literally we know that students spend six and a half hours a day above and beyond their homework and their schoolwork on digital devices and we also know that because kids are spending so much time on their digital devices they are not getting enough sleep and it's impeding their brains being fully developed because they're developing until they're 25 years of age So that program is near and dear to us. But the program that I really want to talk about tonight is the college. It's called the career pathway program. This is a college and career readiness program and we developed it for juniors and seniors in high school to expose them to authentic workplace learning career pathways. Nationally, we have 16 career clusters across the United States and the state of Illinois has adopted seven of those 16. And so, The Pathways program, we are building, a. a, all seven are being developed so that we can help that student that maybe isn't wired for a four-year college. We're helping the students that are wired, that want to go straight from high school into a careers, technical training skills path, a student that wants to go to a two-year community college or an associates program, and then we also are building pathways and tracks for our traditional four-year college students but all three are just as important because all of our kids in our community are so talented, so special. We just really wanna help kids find and their purpose, understand and know their value and help them find their pathway.
0: And this program does that for them. Yeah, and, and I know you'd be working with both of the school districts. And Sheryl Lynn, you know, say a
3: little bit more. I know this is a, a program that's near and dear to your heart also. Yeah, you know, this was our launch year for this program. And so we, we, we launched in January with our wonderful Naperville partner, Dealer Inspire. We welcomed 60 kids, juniors and seniors in high school from our five area high schools. We welcomed them to Dealer Inspire. They got to learn and walk through the building and learn about customer, um, customer experience, uh, development, customer service, accounting, analytics, got to learn different areas of opportunity for potential careers. Then they went through an application process and an interview process. And unfortunately, they were not, we were not able to see this program through fruition. When COVID-19 came, Our we had to put a halt on the program. And so the summer programs that were set to take place didn't get to happen. However, we are very excited that we get, we will get to partner again with Dealer Inspire and launch this program again in the next school year. Well, I think that's terrific. And I think
0: one of the important things, even though the program didn't happen, there's already learning in that, right? The whole process of having to apply, having to interview, those are all soft skills that that young people need, uh, whether or not they get the job and the actual work experience. That in and of itself is an experience that helps develop their uh, skill base,
3: right? Very true, very, yeah. very true. Absolutely.
0: So Kamala, um, obviously COVID has really, I mean, it, it derailed your career pathways program. Uh, it certainly has had a big impact on uh, the adults in the world and the little kids in the world, but certainly has had a big impact on our teens and, our, and uh, the kids that are in school. How has Kids Matter been addressing kind of some of the mental health issues in teens?
4: Yeah. Um, Jane, thanks for asking that question because this is something that has been really um, on our minds and in our hearts since this happened in March. We saw uh, Kids Matter uh, manages the National Crisis Text Line for DuPage County. We partner with the DuPage County Health Services with the, the National Crisis Text Line. And what we saw on that crisis text line was... Um, the the data was very, very different during COVID. And we know that like we saw a spike from 65% on depression, 72% on anxiety. We saw 35% on loneliness and isolation. And we saw, unfortunately, 25% on sexual assault and and emotional abuse go up. So because we saw that spike go up on the crisis tax line, we knew that we had to quickly convert all of our our mental health programs, which is called State of the Kids, and that's our mental health lines. We converted our our educational series, um, stop, drop the topics that we were originally gonna do and really focus on COVID topics and and around what the kids and the youth were experiencing in our community. So we quickly did that and we pivoted all of our program from March to the end of May, to go virtual and to go to e-learning. and we also uh, train, we just have the pleasure of training. We have a, a curriculum from the Harvard um, Medical School. They developed it. The researchers from Harvard Medical School and the Benson Henry Institute for Mind and Body. We purchased this curriculum two years ago, my first year at Kids Matter. And we had the fortune to train the teachers from School District 203 in the athletic department. And that curriculum will be implemented into the health classes this coming fall. Um, and it's really a curriculum to help kids address in a healthy way stress and anxiety. Um, so we were fortunate to that. We will also be working with other school districts that want this program as well. And again, it's called Resilient Youth. And that's another program that we're really proud of. Um, not that we want people to be stressed out and have anxiety, Jane, but we want it to have good, healthy things
0: there for our youth when they need them. I think it's, you know, these have been challenging times for everyone. And I think um, oftentimes we sort of think of, of teens being extremely resilient, but they're also extremely social. And uh, so that whole isolation piece uh, can be very, very challenging at a time in your life where you're just used to wanting to be out with everybody because that's what teens do. So it's, it's challenging. And obviously those statistics are very sobering. So good that you're, you know, pivoting to try to address those needs, which I think is something we've seen across all of our nonprofits, right, is that ability to try to figure out, you know, nobody expected this. Nobody had any COVID-19 plans sitting in the drawer that they could pull out. So um, it's been a lot. Um, Sherilyn, as we kind of, you know, wrap here a little bit, I mean, these have been very uncertain times. How is Kids Matter really sort of pivoting to keep their mission going across the board?
3: Thanks for asking that made reference to us switching programs. So um, originally a topic that wasn't as relevant was changed to a relevant one, tools and tactics to best face today's challenges. Um, We've done that a couple of times over the last several months. And then upon receiving the school calendar in mid-July, we again currently are working to pivot our programs to continue them absolutely now more than ever, but in the format that's gonna meet the kids where they are today. And then another big wheels in motion that we have currently going right now is we're pivoting our annual Empower Gala. So typically, this is, of course, an in-person event. Um, coming up this year on September 12th, it will be a virtual gala. So we have all wheels in motion right now working to make that ca- happen. So, Kamala, I'm going to let you talk a little bit more about that. Yeah,
4: we, um, we're really excited that we are able to keep the Empower Gala and thanks to um, the talents of NCTV 17, they are helping us to pull this off virtually and we're grateful for that, so thank you. Um, and like Sherilyn said, we are still keeping it on the same day on September 12th. We will have watch parties throughout the city of Naperville. We, we will also have a, a um, not large, but staying within state guidelines, whatever the state guideline is by September 12th, we will host a watch party at Aurelio's Pizza on that night. So please come, go to our website and you know, you can sign up to join the uh, virtual gala. You can, you can literally bid on silent auction items. They will be open two weeks prior to the gala. The night of the gala, we will have a live auction. We will also be pulling a golden ticket. So some person is going to win a trip somewhere um, to a really swanky fa- fancy place. Um, we also, believe it or not, have some COVID trips in our golden ticket as well, because we quickly converted some of those programs to be where a family can be together and go to the Grand Canyon and, to the, and take an RV type of trip. Um, so there's a, really something for everyone at our gala, and we hope you can join us. And um, Jane, we just couldn't thank tv 17 enough for having and hosting us tonight,
0: and we appreciate everything that you guys do for our community. Well, thank you. We appreciate that too, Kamala, and the opportunity to work with you on your virtual gala. Um, I think one of the things, uh, the more not-for-profits that I have the pleasure of speaking with on this show, the thing that always strikes me is how creative and uh, also how resilient. You know, we talk uh, you talk in your mission about building resilient kids. And I think what is very inspiring across all of the not-for-profits is what incredible resiliency we have in the people that are both leading and working and volunteering with those organizations because it has certainly been a very challenging time for everyone so I want to thank both you Kamala and Sherilyn for stopping by giving us an update on what's going on with Kids Matter thank you for being with us and if you would like to find out as our viewers more about Kids Matter please go and visit their website we're going to take a quick break for a few short messages we'll be right back with more Spotlight.
2: For more than 150 years, you've believed in Bucy. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. BUCY's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. BUCY, grateful to serve the communities we call home. We tell everybody's stories, stories big and small. Everybody's story matters to us and it comes in a variety of shapes and
5: sizes
1: and that's what makes it so special. We don't always need a big story. Sometimes we want a story that makes us laugh. Sometimes we want a story that we relate to. Sometimes we want to cry with that story. But more importantly, we want to hear the stories about our people in the community.
0: Welcome back to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jay Mornette, and joining me now from the University of Illinois Extension is Karen Davis and Jan Grykus. Welcome, ladies. Thanks Thank for having Good to have you both with us. So I'm going to start right out with you, Karen. Can you explain for us what the University of Illinois Extension Master Gardener program
5: is? Sure. So the Master Gardener program is a volunteer program for people who are interested in sharing research-based uh, information from the university for home horticulture. Uh, We currently have about 130 volunteers in our program in DuPage, and uh, that group donates close to 10,000 hours of volunteer time each year to the community. Um, That translates to about $266,000 worth of value to the community.
0: So so give me an idea, like help me understand, what does that look like? How do Master Gardeners volunteers, how do they help the community, what do they do?
5: Sure, so one of the primary ways that the Master Gardeners help is with the helpline. Um, that's where any homeowner can call in or email in a question to the master gardeners and they can answer a question about, say, you're, if you're having an issue with something in your yard with your tomatoes or your shrubs or your flowers or things like that. So we have programs that go out into the community and those take the form of many different uh, varieties of things such as food pantry gardens where the, the produce that's produced in a given garden is donated to the food pantries. We have horticulture therapy that goes into places like the DuPage Care Center. Um, we do work with special needs groups through the Western DuPage Special Recreation Association. Uh, we do go into schools um, and those can be also school gardens but also working on more science-based uh, activities. Uh, we do have a program for taking uh, worms in the classroom where we explain bodies of worms and the composting projects. You know, I had
0: absolutely no idea uh, that you did all of those things. I mean, so first on a personal level, I am a gardener. So I've got lots of questions that I might have to be calling into the helpline afterwards, like why my hydrangeas are not blooming. But I'm also, uh, it's so exciting to hear about all the different ways you're connecting with gardening from those food banks uh, to the schools. I mean, that's a wide variety. I mean, you're bringing a lot of different uh, expertise. And as you talked about at the beginning, those volunteer hours into lots of places. So I'm going to talk to you, Jam, because you've been a long time volunteer. What has been your proudest moment as a master gardener?
6: Well, this is my 10th year as a master gardener. And I think probably the proudest is uh, having that giving garden for 10 years. Uh, We're at the Ron Ori Community Gardens. We've had four garden plots for 10 years. And in those, uh, well, in the up to now we've had uh, 27,800 pounds of produce that we have given to food pantries, uh, primarily loaves and fishes. So that's probably the proudest uh, moment because it's not easy gardening out there in those plots. It's pretty hard and we have to start from scratch every year. And um, so that is quite an accomplishment, I think
0: yeah now so is this a team so talk me through a little bit when you are out in the community as a gardener is it like you know uh, jan and buddy that are doing it on mondays and somebody else that's doing it on tuesdays like how how does that work
6: well we are there three days a week for six months out of the year and paul Staffels is my co-leader on this project So we start from scratch. When uh, opening day comes around, we have to set up the fence. We line the paths with newspaper and mulch on top of it. And then we start planting. He grows probably a bazillion plants at home from seed. I do winter sowing, so I also have a lot of plants to to contribute. And um, so then we plant seeds where we need to. So, um, and then we have to pull weeds. And absolutely every bug is out there waiting for us to plant their favorites. So it's quite a challenge out there, but it's working.
0: I love it. Now, you mentioned that you're with the Ron Ori Gardens, obviously, over by Naperville Central High School. So, um, yes. Karen, is, is this program throughout the state of Illinois, or how does that work?
5: Sure so you know we have a tri-county unit that's DuPage, Kane, and Kendall so we work together as a unit Um, but there are about 27 units throughout the entire state and then that's divided into three regions so it is a a statewide program it's actually a national program so each state has their own extension program um, and each state has their own master gardener program so um, you know this is definitely something that people can get involved in wherever they live Um, And we do have people that sometimes uh, move to another location and then pick up where they left off, you know, maybe in Arizona and join the Arizona Master Gardener group. So um, it is throughout the entire nation.
0: That's, that's so, you know, I mean, I just had no idea. So this is just opening up a whole new world to me. So talk me through a little bit. How would I become a Master Gardener? You know, what's the criteria?
5: Sure, so anyone can be involved. You don't have to have any background in horticulture, although it tends to attract people who enjoy gardening. Um, What you do is we uh, have um, an interest meeting and everyone goes to that, kind of gives you an overview of what the projects look like, what the program entails. So essentially you do 60 hours of training in the classroom and that's with educators that are throughout the state. We have an educator for our Tri-County unit, which is Richard Henschel, but we do have educators that come in from Cook County or even downstate if they have a specialty. You do that 60 hours of training in the classroom. Um, You do have to do some testing, and then um, you donate 60 hours of volunteer time back to the to the program. Now, once you've become a, a veteran gardener, you can donate uh, 30 hours rather than 60. But many of our master gardeners, Jane, Jan included, would be one of those that uh, does well beyond that. We do ask that you also do 10 hours of continuing ed uh, education, and most people do well beyond that as well. Um, you know, there, certainly people do go above and beyond. It's a passion project, right? Right, absolutely. Definitely.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Jan, as you were talking about it, I could just sense your energy level and and the excitement. I mean, obviously, you know, you've got the weather, you've got the bugs, you've got all of that stuff, but clearly, you love it.
6: I absolutely love it. It's a great place to be. We work from eight to ten, and there's a team of about thirty five master gardeners who live close enough to for coming to that project to make sense. So we work from eight to 10, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And if anyone has a question, they can come visit us and we're happy to answer their questions. So um, eight to 10, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And um, and yes, the now, team is great.
0: We're, we're on the lots. If we're facing the lots, where where is your lot?
6: We are uh, at the north end. Uh, there are okay. rain barrels, and we're next to the Ron Ori Ideal Garden as well, so uh, we're all together clustered at the north end.
0: Okay, I love it. Now, one of the questions that you've sort of struck in my mind here, Karen, is you mentioned the helpline. Uh, I'm thinking about this personally because I want to call it, but explain to me where, where do the people that are giving the expertise on the helpline, where are they situated? Is it in one place, or how does that helpline work?
5: Sure. So normally that takes place in the office in Naperville, at um, our main office in Naperville, but due to the COVID situation, we're currently answering questions from home. So um, the questions come into an email address, um, then I kind of redistribute them to the people who've volunteered to do that from home. we do sort of know over time people have specialties, maybe they're really good with vegetables or they have a background in native plants. Um, and so we kind of direct the questions to somebody who would be able to answer them. They do the research on them. We do have some um, uh, a search engine that we can use that actually searches all of the extension websites. So even if the University of Illinois doesn't have a specific article based on some specific problem, say tomato blossom end rock or something like that, then maybe one of the other local extensions would like Purdue University or Wisconsin. Um, so then they're able to compose an answer to the person and send it back to them. So um, usually we do ask that people send in as much information as they can about their problem you know, how long they've had the plant, where it's located, are they watering, what kind of fertilizers are they using. And then we do usually ask that they also send in a picture that shows the plant overall and a close-up if there's any problems, and something to provide scale like a coin or a pen so that we can have an idea of how big that item might be. I I have got,
0: okay, give me an idea about how many questions do you get on an annual basis? It seems like if people know about this, I, I... Ah, I've got so many questions.
5: (laughs) Sure, sure. So, so we get hundreds of questions. Um, We just recently we were featured in a newspaper article and you know, people can pick that up sort of from anywhere. So we were getting some questions that weren't even necessarily local, but we do the best we can with trying to answer them. Um, We do sometimes also get questions that go down to the state and then get kicked back to us because they know it's someone in our area. We try to basically answer questions from our county as a priority. Um, and then, you know, it, it redirect questions if it needs to go somewhere else. Okay. So,
0: Jan, I've got to ask you the question. What, what prompted you to become a Master Gardener in the first place? And, and why do you continue? It's been a decade. So, tell us a little bit about why you started and why you stay.
6: Well, I've been gardening pretty much all of my life, and when I retired, I just wanted to take it to the next level with the education and the opportunity to work with absolutely fabulous people. You know, if you're a gardener, you're a, you're a good person. <laughs> so we have a great time out in the out in the plots and any other project that we work on. So it was just taking it to the next level and just being the best I could be at it.
0: Yeah. And, and have you, I mean, I would imagine uh, that, you know, I know for myself personally that during this whole pandemic situation, getting out in the garden was highly therapeutic. Uh, were you finding that?
6: Oh, completely. I have a third of an acre at home and it was just absolutely a dream to be able to walk out my door and be in nature. And that is where everybody really should be. It's very calming and soothing and, um, and it's just terrific.
0: Yeah, and I would think that in these times, you would be really those community gardens that you talked about that are giving back to the community. Um, certainly, a lot of those other non for profits have been very hard hit. Uh, the food pantries, as we're seeing the increase in uh, unemployment and all of that being very stressed. I would imagine that those community gardens where you're doing those kinds of projects have got to be super fulfilling.
6: Oh, completely fulfilling, yes. It's nice to be able to take very fresh picked vegetables over to the food pantry. I know they get donations from other stores, but we are talking fresh from the farm, and it's really uh, fulfilling to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to thank both of you for stopping in, talking to us about this program. I'm sure you're going to get a lot more calls because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there like me who are now going, ah, I have a source, but my questions, this is fantastic. And so, um, Karen, do you want to just give us kind of what the helpline is?
5: Sure. So you can send it to our web address. And uh, like I said, just provide any information that you can um, about your Your problem when it when it arose and and then uh, those pictures are really critical, especially since we're doing things from home. It's much easier to see something and a lot of times it's a dead giveaway of, of what's causing the problem.
0: Okay. It takes an expert to know it immediately. And for those of us who are not quite so expert, it's dumbfounding. So anyway, so thank you so much. We appreciate it. And to our viewers, if you would like to learn more about the University of Illinois Extension and the Master Gardeners Program, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break for a few short messages. We'll be right back with more Spotlight. I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining us on Spotlight and to our friends at Busey Bank for their generous support of today's show. If you would like to learn more about any of the organizations we spoke to today, please go and visit our website at nctv17.com. And to stay connected about what's happening in your community, sign up to receive our free daily NCTV news update or like and follow us on Facebook. For Spotlight, I'm Jane Rennett. Thank you for watching. Today's spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.